Welcome to the Daikaiju Network Podcast, episode 131. We have a very healthy obsession with Kaiju here. I am your co-host, Kenton. With me is your other co-host, Jason. And Jason, I got one thing to say. So I got one thing to say to you, Jason. Quit your bitching. <laughs> you quit your bitching too. <laughs> you a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we've been having some technical difficulties on our end, which is why we're a little late. And we apologize in advance if some of our video and or audio uh, is not coming through all that clear. Um, we're based in the Midwest, so I don't know if the, the snowstorm that's been coming through uh, has uh, had anything to do with it or what. But just kind of wanting to let everybody know um, things have been a little little weird well, and, and, and then, everything over here. Well, and then on live stream, whenever Kent comes on, when I send him a, a invite, like it should have like gotten all of his feeds both video and audio synced up to everything that I have built in <laughs> into the same and but for some reason it just didn't even happen so that's one of the reasons why we had a little bit of a technical difficulty for uh, the yeah. last few minutes <laughs> So And so we are here today for uh, our one and only episode for the month of January 2020. By the way, Happy New Year to everybody. Yes. And we are here today to discuss Godzilla 2000. So um, this uh, is the last actually, of our re-reviews. Yeah. Hard, hard to believe it's come to this point because I think we've been at this whole re-review Re-review thing for, I think, uh, three years. Something to that extent, yeah. We've been we've been at it for a while, and of course, anybody who uh, you know is relatively new or wasn't with us from the beginning uh, or whatever, maybe you know missed out on some episodes here and there. We uh, had concluded that our first batch of episodes that we first recorded uh, from uh, uh, early 2010 to about. Uh, the middle part of 2011, we thought the quality of those reviews and just the shows in general were not so good. So we discussed it and we just thought, you know what, we need to revisit these first batch of, of episodes, which is obviously the first 23 episodes. Anybody who's familiar with uh, the Godzilla timeline in terms of you know how many movies there are from Gojira up to this point, uh, covering Godzilla 2000. So um, we decided we um, you know, are going to go back and just redo those because we believed those um, reviews and those shows in general just were not of the highest quality. And we wanted to make sure that we gave the movies and just the individual shows the sort of attention and quality uh, that they deserve. And I think, uh, if I say so myself, I think we've done a, a pretty darn good job uh, of that. So... Mm -hmm. um, here we are at our last one, and so really from here going forward, uh, you know, is is going to be some newer territory for once. I mean, we've done some commentaries here and there over the last few years and a few other things, but by and large, it's been sticking to uh, doing re-reviews of movies that we had once covered a number of years ago, uh, but just didn't do a very great job although, until recently. So, Although we've had at least a couple episodes in the past once we started doing 
uh, YouTube live streams here for our podcast show. And there have at least been some instances where we've taken a break on re-reviewing the Godzilla films and dived in, into uh, other ones such as, uh, of course, Rampage and then oh, right, the Manster. Yeah. The Basically, some of those old non-kaiju uh, Japanese horror films like H-Man, Manser, like I've mentioned before. Yeah, and stick around till the end of the podcast because I think Jason and I, we will do a little uh, brainstorming back and forth as far as kind of maybe where to kind of roughly go from here. So anybody who joins any of our live streams, I'm on the YouTube channel. Um, you know, th- you can throw out some ideas or suggestions or anything like that. But um, uh, unless you have anything else to add, I thought we'd just get right into uh, a, a little bit of news and then right into Godzilla 2000 um yeah I can't think of anything at the moment I mean we've particularly have gone over a couple of the more important topics that we've done in the last episode as far as the Shin Ultraman unveiling and as far as some of the news or leaks from uh, the upcoming Godzilla versus Khan film well, I have a little bit of news, and I'm sure you've seen it, but uh, April 21st, the Ultraman X Blu-ray set is set to release, and then on May 12th, the Ultraman Ace Blu-ray set is going to be released. So um, I know you can pre-order them, I believe, at Shout Factory. Uh, I'm not sure if you can pre-order them yet on Amazon. Let me do a quick You mean uh, Mill Creek? on Amazon. Yeah, Mill Creek. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see but, here. And, and of course, I think I've also uh, touched base on this in the last episode that also on uh, in the month of April is the second season to the Ultraman anime on Netflix as well. Yeah, I had meant to go through the rest of that series. And to be perfectly honest, I really just kind of forgot about it and i actually did like it i thought it was i think you um, mentioned you've gone through the first two episodes uh i think it's one uh so yeah ultraman ace anyways is available for pre-order on amazon and so i would believe ultraman x would be too because that comes out before this so um so go ahead and, and make sure that if you're interested that you pre-order that stuff um, or just mark your calendars and buy it whenever it comes out if you don't yeah. want to pre-order. As of right now, I just only have the original Ultraman and um, I think it was – yeah, the original Ultraman and Ultra Q as of right now because I got those in stores. Um, I'm not – I'll, I'll need to check with Best Buy or some of the other places that I know of if they've actually brought in some of the other uh, Ultraman shows into stores. If nothing, I'm probably just going to have to resort going to Amazon, mostly getting those. That's where I've gotten most of mine. And I think even with Best Buy, you can order and have it like shipped to your store and then you can pick it up there too, I think. Yeah. But I so, just like getting them I right away. 
Oh, I mean, I do too. My the thing is, my Best Buy doesn't really carry those. But it was so strange because when Q and the original Ultraman were out, this was like maybe a month after they were originally released. I checked the website and they the the site said that my Best Buy had three. Um, of each in stock and i made sure that my zip code was right and that they were talking about uh the one you know like three miles from my place and so yeah everything was correct and then so um went up there and i thought to myself i'm like you know best buy site in the past has never really been all that accurate because i remember an odd number of years ago i checked uh with the site to see if something was in stock and went up there and it wasn't and i just thought to myself i had the sixth sense thinking i bet it's not up there and sure shooting there was nothing not a single item of ultraman and i'm like mother fuck <laughs> so <laughs> at the same time I, at the same time though i wasn't shocked because again like i said i've i've experienced that before but it still is annoying the fact that best buy in terms of being able to keep track of inventory and to accurately um online show what is actually in stock has always been terrible i mean this is nothing new so right yeah but yeah but anyways are we ready for godzilla 2000 go right ahead all right so some production and release notes uh, the movie was released december 11th 1999 in japan and it had a running time of 107 minutes uh it's budget and i've seen for this budget i've seen a couple different figures but i went with the figure by david callett uh because i tend to trust books more than the internet uh but the David Callett had, and I don't know how accurate this is because if I remember correctly, Final Wars had a budget of like two million U.S. dollars. Um, David Callett's book said Godzilla 2000 had a budget of twelve million, but I've seen elsewhere online where they said it had a budget of eight point three. So I'm not sure which one is accurate, but like I said, I went with the book one um, just because Callett. Uh, is sort of an historian he's got a book in fact his book is in its second edition so i went with that figure um and the movie went through 10 weeks of filming and the movie sold about 2 million tickets and grossed approximately 15 million us dollars and the movie also goes by the names godzilla 2000 millennium and g2k as far as U.S. release, uh, the movie was picked up by Columbia TriStar. Michael Schlesinger, Sony's VP of Repertory Sales and Acquisitions, had the English dub rewritten and redubbed. He also had the film trimmed to 99 minutes and reworked the placing of some of the music and added some additional sound effects. The budget for these improvements and changes cost approximately $1 million. And the first... Toho Godzilla to be released theatrically in the U.S. in 15 years. Also, unlike some previous U.S. theatrical releases and edits, there would be no new footage of American actors in 
inserted into the movie. It was released into over 2,100 theaters on August 18th of 2000. It grossed approximately $4.6 million its opening weekend and would go on to gross just over $10 million during its entire U.S. theatrical run. Toho loved the edit so much that they released the U.S. edit into countries where the film hadn't shown yet and eventually released it into Japan as well. So there's some production notes uh, about the film. So here's uh, a really short, very brief plot. I skip a lot of things and just kind of get more to the to the heart of, of the story. The Godzilla Prediction Network, started by Shinoda and his daughter Io, track and study Godzilla. The network is mainly run by them, but there is a second partner who helps track Godzilla's movements. Yuki, a photographer for a local news organization, joins them as she attempts to get photographs of Godzilla for her editor. CCI, the Crisis Central Intelligence Agency, is founded by Katagiri, who is also Deputy Secretary of the Interior. His partner, Miyasaka, is a former colleague of Shinoda's. The CCI discovers what appears to be a 60-million-year-old meteorite. Instead, it turns out to be a UFO. The CCI pulls double duty by tracking the UFO and attempting to destroy Godzilla. Shinoda discovers Godzilla has an ability to quickly heal himself and names this ability Regenerator G1. The UFO is discovered to be hacking computers all over Tokyo, especially any information pertaining to Godzilla. Shinoda concludes that the UFO's inhabitant wants to use Godzilla cells uh, cell structure to adapt to Earth's climate and to physically form itself. During the final battle, the unformed alien, Oruga, is able to gather cell information from Godzilla directly and forms into a hulking mass of a kaiju with minor physical characteristics of Godzilla. The kaiju battle it out until Oruga makes one last effort to kill Godzilla by swallowing him whole in a take on his form. Godzilla also realizing it can't kill Oruga due to it taking Godzilla's quick regenerative qualities concludes it must kill Orga from the inside. He allows part of himself to be swallowed before blasting his atomic ray inside Orga, finally killing the alien being. Godzilla kills Katagiri before setting part of Tokyo aflame and credits roll. And if you saw this in the theaters, it had a big green, the end with a green question mark underneath it. I, will, I don't think I will ever forget that. I remember you and I saw that. And we're like, what? There's going to be a sequel? <laughs> It's hard to I, believe that was over 19 years ago now. I don't I don't quite remember that part, but I do remember us going to theater there and it was just uh the two of us and a guy and his uh son that were sitting mm-hmm. up uh, several rows uh towards the uh the front screen there and I think we were close to the back or the very back of the theater there and it was you can say it was sort of a nice nice experience not having at least everyone there but uh at the same time we wanted to at least have uh people try to go there and trying to uh get get the movie some sort of uh box office uh gross uh, domestically there which uh unfortunately i think it only gotten maybe around 20 close to 30 million dollars uh somewhere around no, during its 
During its entire theatrical run, it made over ten million in the U.S. Okay, so it still made money. It still, it actually still made decent money, all things considered. Because for Columbia TriStar, uh, it was a very small investment, and like I said uh, at the top of this discussion, they invested about one million dollars for some uh, edits and changes to the film as well, and for the film to make a little over 10 million um that's a profit and that's a pretty decent profit considering it wasn't uh something that they hadn't you know dumped a ton of money into for changes or edits or you know and part of it is because obviously they didn't make the movie themselves all they had to do was buy the the rights and distribution uh Mm -hmm. for the film so um yeah i I mean it it all things considered, you know, and the fact, like you said, there there weren't a whole lot of us in the theater when we saw it, which was sort of bittersweet. The fact of the matter is, again, it made pretty good money. I mean, I remember back then being afraid that the movie may not even break like two or three million. Mm-hmm. And um, I was pleasantly surprised to learn that it made over 10 million and to me considering the fact that you know godzilla just doesn't he has a large fan base here but it's still very niche and the fact that uh godzilla also just in this country for anybody who's not really a fan they kind of giggle and and make snarky remarks about the the character in the franchise the fact it made that kind of money is very impressive still all things considered so right yeah. um, that's something to to be very happy about and and it's a toho film too it's not a us uh, godzilla film so yeah and i think uh it would be at least the very like the at least the last uh toho film to be released in us theaters right up until Obviously, your uh, <coughs> favorite movie. Uh, from I don't necessarily count that. I don't <laughs> count Shin Godzilla. I don't count that, not just because I don't consider it a Godzilla movie, but I don't consider it because it wasn't a wide distribution. It was only in, I forget how many theaters. I don't think it even broke a thousand theaters uh, because it was considered a very limited run. It was sort yeah, of so. um, not quite along the lines of Gojira, but but similar along the lines of Gojira back in 2004, where that film got limited release across the nation as well. Uh, that one even more so than Shin, but Shin was still very limited um, in its release. So, um, oh yeah, but you know, this still, was considered more of a wider distribution. Still, I'm still considering the last. You know, like Godzilla 2000 was the last time a Godzilla film was released in U.S. theaters before uh, the Shin Godzilla one several years later. Yeah, the the so-called Godzilla movie. Um, <laughs> but anyways, um, I, I when I was going through uh, Callet's book, I found a piece of information that I just am so surprised because I've. Uh, 
I've seen this movie so many times over the nearly 20 years it's been available, and I'm surprised I never made this connection. Um, but Callet here writes that Godzilla 2000 in many areas plays some of the same beats as 1998's Godzilla. And he goes on to write, quote, Godzilla 2000 is self-consciously a reply – a reply to that film, an exercise in prideful one-upsmanship. The filmmakers compile a litany of images cribbed directly from the previous film. And here are some of the examples he lists. Godzilla introduced in fragmentary views of isolated body parts, a man nearly killed by a falling structure that luckily only pins him down, objects catapulted with Godzilla's approaching footsteps, a shot of a scientist standing in a giant footprint, Godzilla's landfall announced by a bulge in the water as his dorsal fins begin to break the surface tension, a sequence in which Godzilla chases a car through a tunnel, and a story built around an aspiring journalist and her Godzilla-ologist boyfriend. Um, the thing is, though, and this is something – might as well just talk about it. Um, I really noticed it more this time. Um, first of all, Khaled, I think, is right in that – this film does try to mimic some of those moments within the 98 film. Uh, but the one thing, uh, well, two things, but the first thing I want to talk about that he brings up is uh, Yuki and Shinoda being boyfriend and girlfriend. And I wondered that this time, I don't consider them actually boyfriend and girlfriend, you, but you I don't... do feel like there is some sort of like build up but obviously it's never really explored yeah you don't really see that you know that intimate relationship throughout the film like you've mentioned but yeah you can see the settle setup towards it uh, in certain mm -hmm. areas of the film but it's not fully fleshed out to be that way mm-hmm yeah. And and as the movie goes on, you see hints of it. And I always kind of figured there were hints, but because we're doing it for the podcast, I try to pay more careful attention uh, to these movies. And um, and the thing is, you know, in the history of Godzilla films, um, like even with Monster Zero, like we just in that movie get the very end of a kiss between Glenn and Namikawa in a vehicle – these movies never really explore relationships. Like even uh, a couple movies from now, Godzilla X Mecha Godzilla, you have that uh, scientist who uh, is who hits on our main female character uh, in that movie, and it's pretty funny because he just fails so hard so many times. But you can tell he mm -hmm. really wants to be involved with her. Um, here, you do get sort of hints at that, but I wouldn't say there's actually any real relationship uh, there that even develops over the course of a movie. It's left very ambiguous, and I think it, it's left up to the audience to just figure out, okay, did Shinoda and Yuki uh, end up getting together after these events? Uh, because unlike the Heisei era, which stuck very closely to continuity throughout all of its seven films, the Millennium era during its six-movie run um, – really didn't have any continuity other than between Godzilla X Mechagodzilla and then Godzilla Mothra and Mechagodzilla Tokyo SOS. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I would disagree with Khaled in that uh, their boyfriend and girlfriend. Um, 
I would say there's flirtation going on and you could argue that something's building there, but whether or not they're actually in a real relationship, I, I, I think it's, I, I don't think it's there yet. Um, the one right. thing too, I would disagree with Caledon is he was saying prideful one-upsmanship. And now I don't know if the, this is Toho believing that they thought they did these moments better or if Khaled himself believes the Toho movie Godzilla 2000 did these moments better I have to disagree um, these scenes are very fun uh, in Godzilla 2000 like uh, you know the the electrical tower falling onto that guy and almost killing him but not it's very reminiscent of the Godzilla foot coming down uh, on Hank Azaria but Hank Azaria is caught in between two of his toes there um i would disagree that a lot of these um, mimics of the 98 film are better here and i love this i'm just gonna go ahead and say it right now i'm a huge fan of this movie i mean again i'm wearing the t-shirt i love this film it's one of my all-time favorite godzilla movies anybody who has listened to this podcast uh, long enough knows this is one of my top 10 favorite godzilla movies um and I, I love and adore this film an awful lot. Um, but at the same time, I would strongly disagree that a lot of those moments are done better here. The 98 film, and I think part of it was because there was just better effects work in that film compared to this. Um, I, I believe that that film did a lot of these uh, particular scenes that 2000 tried to copy a lot better. Um, I think some of the scenes like the foot coming down on Hank's area is more exciting and tension filled uh, because he is one of our main characters. The electrical um, wire that comes down on the on this random guy doesn't register anything a lot of it's because he is a random guy he's not a main character if this guy was a main character maybe there would be more tension within that scene and shinoda going into the footstep of a uh, or excuse me the footprint of a godzilla um after this big attack um in the first part of the film um it's very brief. I mean, there's not much to register there. And I think it comes off better in the 98 film um, because it, and part of it's due to the score in terms of how it's done there. There's more majesty, I think in that particular scene and the footprint actually looks more realistic uh, in that movie because it tries to capture indents on the feet. Um, Whereas this one, it's just, a flat footprint you can tell people came in with shovels and dug it out um, oh, yeah, so so um you know i'm not trying to ding this movie but i i the 98 movie i think did things uh significantly better if you're trying to compare uh the moments that both of these films incorporate um but i don't want to really be causing a rift but i just wanted to put my own personal two cents out there and just say whoever believes this whether it's toho or Caleb, maybe even both i strongly disagree in fact i'm going to come out and say they're wrong because things are done, I think, so much better in that 98 film in the moments that uh, 2000 tries to copy. Yeah, I would just say that each each movie has their own unique moments. And there's I would say a majority of the films uh, try to do their own best, try to 
make something uh, unique in its own right. There might be some instances, especially with some of these uh, reboots or remakes, with some of these franchises that sometimes they'll make a callback to certain things, but uh, and then they might try to try to replicate some of those uh, unique moments. But I would say at least a majority of the films that I know of uh, try to make their own unique moments. Well, and a perfect example of this, and one that's been repeated at least a couple times throughout the franchise, um, is anything dealing with Mothra and the larva, you have certain moments from the original Mothra recreated later in the series. You also have moments from Mothra versus Godzilla being recreated later in the series. And the the ones that are being recreated later in the series uh, just don't have the same impact. And a lot of that mainly has to do with the fact that of course, we've seen it before, and so it's like it's not done uh, in a unique way. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, shoot, I just forgot what I wanted. Uh, oh, um, I wanted to kind of briefly talk about for a moment uh, sort of about the at least the U.S. fan reception uh, of, about this movie over the years. Um this is a movie that uh, is is one of those Godzilla movies that I, is kind of glossed over quite a bit within the U.S. fan base, it seems yeah. like, because uh, it, it's hardly ever talked about. And then on top of that, when it is, a lot of fans say it's boring. And th- again, and this isn't my opinion. I truly believe that they're wrong because – for example, the pacing of this movie is very brisk, and there's a lot of action in this movie. In fact, there's an awful lot of Godzilla in the first half of the movie, and then, yeah, Godzilla disappears a little bit in the in the middle. But even then, he's not gone very long. From the moment Godzilla gets blasted into the water by the UFO and then you see the uh, underwater swimming – image of Godzilla later there's 16 minutes in between that moment and the swimming scene and then I didn't um, time the moment from the swimming scene to him coming up in Tokyo Bay Uh, but again I think it was maybe no more than another 10-15 minutes but even then during those moments in which Godzilla's not on screen there are a lot of unique, important moments going on there. We learn about Regenerator G1. We also get to see the UFO do more of its thing by attacking helicopters, landing on top of a, a, of a building, hacking computers, the JSDF and the CCI, I guess maybe more specifically, um, setting up bombs and trying to figure out ways of destroying the UFO. There's a lot of uh, action going on and Godzilla is actually in this movie quite a bit I kind of had forgotten how often he was in this movie well, and, and because and it moves at such a brisk pace and there's a lot of action in general um, the 99 minutes you don't feel it you don't feel an hour and 40 minutes of this movie well and when I was watching it here uh, it's like for, for some reason it felt 
like you said, that it felt that he was in there more often. And when, when we saw it the first time, it didn't quite feel like it at first because you're new to the whole viewing experience of the film. But then once you see the film more and more over the years, you tend to see him quite often in the movie as you realize it. And especially, well, with for those that say that, oh, Godzilla is not in a movie for uh, so long and some of these other movies, for instance, uh, the original Gojira, uh, the 2014 uh, Godzilla um, and I'm probably I'm probably forgetting some other films at the moment but for this film he's in it quite quite often compared to those movies even put together yeah and in fact I just found something someone put together of Godzilla's screen time for 31 of the films this doesn't cover um, like the King of the Monsters and the anime trilogy, uh, but it covers everything else, you know, prior to those four films. And um, according to this list, Godzilla 2000 is number two for Godzilla's screen time at 22 minutes, 28 seconds. Wow. So, so who's number one, the, by the, the number way. one movie? The number one film is Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. Um, it's at 26 minutes, 56 seconds. So basically 27 minutes for that film. Hmm. Never would have realized so, that one. Yeah, there is – and I don't quite understand the fact that fans would call it boring because, first of all, I think they're wrong because there is a lot of Godzilla in this movie. Especially and being second at number all, two. <laughs> Yeah, and second, and you get Godzilla action right off the bat. And then second of all, um, the scenes in which Godzilla isn't even present in the movie, which is mainly only during the middle section, you have a lot of very important moments. You learn about Godzilla's regenerative ability, something that was hinted at uh, in and, previous movies, but never really explored. And yeah, and the, and then you have in, the UFO it's, moments. It's a good thing that he's uh, at least brought brought up the uh, regenerator G one thing because i was just Mm -hmm. thinking about it after watching this film is that like over the years even in the godzilla films that you you basically hear of the g cells being mentioned about but they Mm -hmm. aren't really the main focal point of a godzilla film but in the case of godzilla 2000 here it's basically the main focal point of the film itself which i'm sort of glad that they finally touched upon godzilla's regenerative cells and use Mm -hmm. it as a uh, um oh uh what plot point yeah plot point Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the things – it's really the main reason why Orga is able to physically form later. That's the main thing, and the reason why the movie ends the way it does because the the kaiju are fighting back and forth, and both of them realize I can't kill the other one by doing this. Orga's like, the only way I'm going to stop Godzilla is if I swallow him. Godzilla, you can tell, even though the suit doesn't – emote but you can just kind of tell and a moment later due to body language godzilla is like i can't kill him from the outside because he keeps regenerating himself so i gotta 
just kind of let myself get swallowed a little bit here and then kill him from the inside. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's it's it really is sort of the central, I guess you could say, um, point or plot point of the movie because it's what drives the final battle. It's what ultimately determines how the final battle turns out. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's... And then getting back to kind of, I think, the the American fans kind of just almost ignoring this entry. Um, I just think it's uh, – uh, outside of the fact that I think it moves at a brisk pace, there's action just about all the time. And at the same time, there's a lot of Godzilla on screen too. But also I think this movie, unlike other millennium films, and this is where it's more of my opinion, I believe, I think this movie has the best characters out of any millennium film. I think the film cinematography is done uh, very well. I think the miniature work is superb. And in fact, um, I think the, the miniature work on that final battle set is impressive. I think it might even be the biggest miniature, excuse me, set it's been on a Godzilla movie since the return of Godzilla in 84. I could be wrong, but it this is a vast set. And on not only that, but the miniature work is, I think, the best we're going to see in the entire millennium era. And then the set is dense. There are a lot of buildings. There are a lot of, like, bridges. you got power lines even being up, too. I mean, you have all this detail and, and, and heavy... Uh, dense miniature work going on for this film and i just think this film how it's shot how it's written uh, it's just uh, for lack of a better term and I, i think it's a work of art quite frankly it's because it's hard for me to explain but i think what i'm about to say explains it better By and large, I think with the exception of Final Wars, because Final Wars is a totally different animal on its own, I believe every other Millennium film after this, in terms of how they look, they all to me look the same in terms of how they're shot and just kind of effects work and model work. It almost seems as if the same filmmaker made the same made the movies from mega Gears through tokyo sos because they all look very similar to me and how they're shot and all that uh there are some minor differences here and there of course like tezuka has uh, some different things and he even kind of evolves a little bit with the three films he directs throughout the millennium era um but by and large i think a lot of them look the same and yeah tezuka directed most of the films he directed half of the films in the millennium era so obviously yes uh, many of them are going to look very similar to each other but um i think this one just stands out i truly do believe there's more quality being given here and i think too and i can't confirm this at least just yet without looking it up but i think this godzilla film may have the highest budget up until final wars comes along Uh, because final wars i do remember very clearly hearing and reading that 
when they were producing that film, they wanted to give it the biggest budget any Toho Godzilla film ever had up to that point. So, um, so I think this one may have had uh, a bigger budget than all the other films up until Final Wars. Um, but like I said, I can't really confirm that. But mm-hmm. I just think it's a shame that the U.S. fan base um, just kind of glosses over this one because this one, I think, does pretty much everything better than any of the other Millennium films. Um, I just think that the quality is is better overall as well. And it's just – it's a darn shame that this – and you got a great kaiju in Orga. My son even watched – uh, this movie uh, this afternoon and so I got to see it twice in about like a 36 hour period um, actually technically 24 but um, but he loved it and he wasn't bored he was very entertained by it too and he's five and so I think if you can you know if you can grab a five-year-old's attention then you did something right so yeah. uh, and and like what you said with it being somewhat glossed over it's it's also you can probably say uh and uh underappreciated sort of film like certain films you as you mentioned one of those being uh godzilla raids again that seems like yeah one of those movies being glossed over but uh, as far as the quality uh, um I would say after watching it, it seems pretty okay. But then, you know, I'm guessing you had the Blu-ray version of the movie, and um, I do. And watching it on the 4K TV over here, um, as far as the quality, it, I would hate to say it, but it seems like over the years, and with the the upgrade to HD and everything some some of that quality tends to be somewhat exposed in a way oh, especially yeah, with yeah. with uh, some of the visual effects it seems like out yeah. of the entire millennium series i would say this film and to me this is some of a disappoint disappointing uh, sort of downer for me because I also like this film but it seems like some of the visual effects, some of the uh, motion track tracking some of the scenes that they uh, used and the scenes of the film it hasn't really aged all that well even after a little over 20 years of, of existence because with the movie being out uh, back in 99. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, you're not wrong, but at the same time, I want to point out a couple of, of things. This movie, from Toho's standpoint, used a lot more um, green, score, green screen work and visual effects work than any other previous Godzilla movie. And um, – yeah, I'm, I remember even when we watched it in the theaters, you could tell when certain things were green screen. And the thing is, is that especially over in Japan, a lot of Japanese uh, in the movie industry, they just – its not, it hasn't been, I don't think, until very recently it, that somewhat, movie studios – it was somewhat a little bit behind Hollywood at the time, but I think right. the last few years they've really caught up. Yeah, and the case – this was true um, 
back when this film was being uh, produced. And in fact, and I know this to be true because all you have to do is watch the entire millennium era and you know this is true. This movie is the only millennium era movie that really excessively uses green screen shots because when you watch any of the other millennium era films the green screen shots significantly drop if not are gone altogether depending upon the individual films so um this i think in some ways was meant to be uh, sort of experimental but also at the same time because they wanted certain shots to look the way that they wanted them to, they had to use green screen. But at the same time, too, you're talking about looking at it at 4K. I watched the DVD one. Um, the thing is, okay. and we talked about this, like with the Return of Godzilla. Um, like when I watched the Blu-ray of Return of Godzilla, I had noticed there were a couple shots that I had never noticed before that were like green screen shots, and. That's the thing. When you watch older films that were not shot originally in HD and then you do watch them in HD, that stuff will show up. And that's just the unfortunate right. um, reality of it. And I but, think certain films like this, for example, are better watched uh, when you are watching them in the non-HD uh, format. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I – I think the sort of worst um, effect shots in this film are some of those green screen shots. But at the same time, I give them a lot of props because they tried their darndest um, oh, yeah, no trying doubt. to make that work. And I think they and I think they succeeded up to like 75, 80 percent of the time uh, with most of their shots um but yeah not all the time i mean you oh, can yeah. tell still even watching on dvd that no you know. no doubt about that but i know when it comes to toho and some of their uh principal photography scheduling requirements or the length of them they're sort of notoriously having those uh quite short and it's expecting these movies to come out with like within a year or so, or maybe less mm -hmm. than a year. It would have been nice. That, that is a problem. It would, them, have, yes. it would have given them time to at least polish the film up quite a bit more. Cause I mean, they, uh, for me, in my opinion, with the way that the film was presented, I think they just needed 25% more to polish up the movie and then I think it would probably would have been there. Yeah, and I mean Shusuke Kaneko is uh, on record um, having said that he was very disappointed uh, in how quickly Toho wanted the films produced because obviously for anybody who's not aware, he's the director of Godzilla, Mothra, King Ghidorah, Giant Monsters, All Out Attack. And he also before that movie directed the Gamera trilogy of the 90s over at uh, Daiei Studio. Mm -hmm. And I, he's on record of saying he was very disappointed in Toho's very short shooting schedule, and he was not as um, 
uh, uh, and I just forgot the word. He was not as uh, happy with the final product of GMK because they just didn't have the time to necessarily set up shots the way that they wanted to or construct the sets or to have more time doing visuals and all sorts of other things that are involved in making a film. And um, I remember reading numerous times where he clearly said he that was something he was disappointed in the fact that he said to die gave him reasonable time frames to um, film his Gamera trilogy films and those I will agree I think compared to GMK are um, of higher quality in almost every area uh, mm-hmm. when compared to GMK and yeah it's yeah, Toho has always been that. I don't know if they've changed that. I can't remember what the shooting schedule was for Shin. I think but, they probably um, at least finally gave those guys more time to work on it. Because, I mean, just look at the final product of that movie. At least visually, in, in some of those instances, it looked fantastic. I mean, I'll, I'll at least give the movie props for that to be honest but um yeah i've far, always said yeah but as far as the whole premise of the film it's as as you stated over and over again it's not really a godzilla film well yeah and i've always said that too from the very beginning about shin i said with the exception of a few effect shots here and there that that movie it it looks really good Mm -hmm. um so yeah i mean i've i've never contested that i've always thought it looked really good um let's kind of shift over to the u.s cut of 2000 for a moment here and talk about the dubbing this film you can um um, you can hear some of the original dubbing and the trailers for this film that were run like on television and then theaters mm-hmm. at the time, and then they redubbed it. Uh, what do you think of think? I'm going through puberty over here. Um, <laughs> what do you think of the final dub product that we got here? The fact that. For the first time once again since the return of Godzilla, you have an actual American studio doing the dub and not an international dub. Uh, For the dub, I'd say it's one of the better dubbings for a Godzilla film. Of course, there are some instances where some of the dubbing along with the lip sinking parts don't quite uh, go along fairly well. You can sort of tell in some instances, but they try to do their best, obviously, to get the dubbing to go along with uh, sort of the lip reading uh, aspect. But I really do like the voice choices for basically the majority of the characters. I would say at least uh, maybe a couple minor, but not uh, really major character uh, parts. I would say at least a couple uh, dubbing choices were at least okay, but it didn't really hit in my opinion, really hindered the film at all, but I really do like 
uh, the dubbing choices for the main and the supporting characters uh, for the movie. And I think if re- they actually go along uh, with the main characters themselves and how they react uh, towards uh, one another. And it is to me, it's one of the better uh dubbings for a Godzilla film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really do um I really do love this dub. It's it's by no means uh perfect, but I really do think it is probably the best dub once again since the return of Godzilla. Uh many of the international dubs that we got for a majority of the Heisei era and then eventually the Millennium era, uh, I think are okay. I think they're serviceable. I know there's some people out there that really hate them uh and they're entitled to that that opinion. I don't think they're as bad as people claim uh but yeah i i would argue that the biggest downside to those international dubs is they don't have as many people working uh for some of the numerous characters that are in some of these films because you can clearly hear in some of these films you have the same voice actor doing two or more characters so that's kind of weird at times but a lot of times when that happens and you watch these movies enough um you just kind of ignore it. You just kind of accept it for what it is. You don't think about it too much um, anymore. So that's sort of, um, I, I guess, a, an upside to, to that is that you just don't really pay it that close attention to it anymore after a while. Um, mm-hmm. But I really do love this dub. I love the fact that uh, most of the dialogue is relatively close to the original dialogue in Japan. Uh, the funniest reworking line, though, I, comes where uh, the JSDF I uh, military commander shows Katagiri this new missile that they're going to use on Godzilla. And he tells Katagiri, I guarantee this will go through Godzilla like crap through (laughs) (laughs) like he really emphasizes the word crap and i remember when you and i heard that in theaters we were we were busting out laughing i mean it was it's one of the funniest lines or uh in any dubbed godzilla film or uh in uh one of the shots there when they discovered regenerator g1 aka the g cells and uh the two the two guys there uh, I, I yeah. can still remember when we uh, when they were laughing, and then all of a sudden they sort of make the serious face toward uh, before the scene cuts. I can always remember, and I even did it too while watching it. That I just had to chuckle <laughs> at that, like every, yeah. almost every time I see that shot in the film, I always have to chuckle at that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think of that moment in the theater and I thought about it when um, you and I watched it on DVD every once in a while back in the day where yeah they chuckle they're like ha 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 (laughs) and the camera just kind of lingers it's like it either should have cut shortly after that chuckle or the director should have kind of instructed the actress kind of at least keep a little bit of a grin just a bit longer uh, in the scene but yeah it's 
it, it's I think a funny moment. Uh, but yeah, I think the the dub overall is of pretty high quality, and I'm and I'm pretty happy um, about it. So, um, what do you think as far as the uh, the casting for Godzilla? 2000 do you think it's uh one of the better uh casting choices uh the best or like un like undercasted or how, how would you go about it uh well uh, you kind of brought up a topic i was just gonna bring up uh i was actually great, gonna great minds think character. alike <laughs> Um, But yeah, I mean, I'll talk both about the cast and the actual characters themselves in this in this movie. As far as the cast goes, I really like it. Um, I don't have the cast list in front of me here. I do know that the guy who plays Shinoda, his last name is Murata. Uh, But by and large, I love everybody in this film. I think everybody does what they're supposed to. I I think everybody does their job well. Shinoda comes off um, as this very kind of nerdish uh, scientist wanting to protect and study Godzilla. Yuki comes off as this very um, 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 gosh, I keep forgetting words uh, when I need them the most. Um, she comes off as this very go-getter um, photojournalist but at the same time kind of goofy um, and his daughter Eo, uh, I think the choice there is good. She comes off as a very nerdy girl herself. The guy who plays Miyasaka comes off as nerdy but also kind of a wimp at times. Uh, the guy who plays Katagiri I think is absolutely perfect um these actors do a wonderful job because the guy who plays shinoda murata uh the last time we saw him uh we saw him in two other films he had sort of a sort of a big role in godzilla versus mothra in 1992 uh working for the um oh shoot the the one company um I want to say it starts with it's a like a, it's like a realty or construction sort of company. Something like that. Yeah. Um, I forget the company's name, but anyways, he's kind of a henchman for the, for the big guy there in, in the film, the main villain, I guess you could say. Um, and then he's in like a very brief shot, like maybe 30 seconds or 45 seconds in Godzilla versus Destroyer, where, um, and again, I forgot the the character's name. the The news gal, who uh, is Emiko's uh, great niece, he talks to her for a brief moment, saying, "You better be careful. It could ruin your love life." Um, he's in there for a brief moment, uh, but he shows a lot of range because you get him as the snarky sort of sob company man in Godzilla vs. Mothra. Then he does a gradual transformation through that film, and then he kind of plays. Is kind of a goofy guy for the brief 30 seconds he's on film and destroy and then here he you know it, i really like him i like him an awful lot in fact he's actually one of my probably top 10 favorite characters in the entire godzilla franchise i love this character an awful lot um 
um, I, I just think the cast has done very well. As far as the characters themselves go, um, I think the writing isn't as full as you would like it to be because character development is not as it, – it's done well enough to where we know as the audience what every individual character's motives are uh, for the film. We don't get a whole lot of backstory behind them. Like, we don't know what happened to Shinoda's wife. Uh, did they get divorced? Did she die? We don't have any backstory there. At least, um, but we, I do, like the- <laughs> at least we do get some reminiscence of some a little bit of backstory, especially when Shinoda and uh, what's his face here Miyasaka. Um, yeah Miyasaka when they uh when he mentioned about uh why Shinoda resigned from uh from the university when they were pretty much yeah. uh, co-workers many years ago at a university yeah and I mean we just we, uh, by and large we don't get a whole lot of backstory but, with the characters but we get their motives and I think that's good enough and I think the chemistry between all the characters is really good I think one of the things that's overlooked by a lot of people is how great the chemistry is between Shinoda and Yuki there's sort of this semi ongoing um, gag kind of between them where the word imbecile is thrown around um I think it's it's really fun. I think those two really play off of each other very well. EO even calls her an imbecile within the first like five, ten minutes of the film. Um, everybody plays off of each other really well. Katagiri comes off as this very cold individual, but you can tell there are moments there too with him that there might be certain times in which he cares, but he just doesn't want to show it. Um but yeah, I love the characters in this film. Like I said, they're not the most developed characters you're ever going to see, even in a Godzilla film. But I would argue they are actually better than a majority of the characters throughout the franchise, at least the Toho ones anyways. Um, and and I really love them. They play off of each other very well. We learn an awful lot, and I really care about Shinoda, Iyu, uh, Yuki. There are times in which I care about Miyasaka because there are times in which it feels like he's just being dragged along by Katagiri, even though Miyasaka may not necessarily right. be 100% on board with what he's doing. Uh, but I like Katagiri, too, and the fact that he just – he does what a villain's supposed to do, and I – and I do like that. And he's not like evil, evil, um, but you know he's a he's a bad enough dude. He's not like um, Torahata and uh, Kumiyama in Mothra versus Godzilla. He's not that evil. But which leads me to just quickly point out that I have come to the realization i don't think category necessarily deserved to die at the end of this movie but oh well that's just a quick side note i wanted to give but um but category is at least when you look at it from godzilla's perspective he's kind of a bad dude but he's not like awful like even towards shinoda he's not awful because he allows shinoda to use their equipment later which is how mm-hmm. shinoda discovers regenerator j1 yeah so you know category is not necessarily a 100 bad dude yeah he wants to kill godzilla and i guess you know if you love godzilla you want godzilla to live so obviously you're like okay category is a bad guy 
and it, with him staying alive, obviously he's going to keep wanting to kill Godzilla. But um, he he still is just he's he's a jerk, really. I mean, he's just a jerk, or as Shinoda called him, an asshole. So um, <laughs> yeah, I, I just I guess the worst thing actually. Katagiri does do in this movie is that he blows up the building while Shinoda's still inside. So, yeah, that's the, that's kind of the worst he does in this film. But I love the cast. I love these characters. I, I feel for the characters. Again, like I said uh, a little while earlier in this discussion, uh, these are, the, I think, the best characters we get out of the entire Millennium Era. You uh, get enough backstory, but you understand their motives well enough to where um and they're developed well enough throughout the course of the film that you care about characters like yuki io shinoda at times even miyasaka so you have the characters you're pulling for and you're rooting for and you have the characters you're like i don't care what happens to them or i really want them to get stomped by godzilla or whatever um i I like them. I like the cast and the characters. I, I think they're fantastic. I I also agree with you that I I also like the uh, the cast choices uh, for the film. But I would also say I think uh, the choices of these uh, uh, cast members I think they naturally fit their particular roles in this film, and I think that's also what makes a good chemistry uh, between everyone in the film. I, I just think that everyone just got off uh, on a good note right off the bat. And it, it's, it just felt so natural in this film, just the way how everyone interacted with uh, one another. And, and I've, I was just uh, watching uh one of these uh more recent japanese uh commercials on youtube here last night and i've at least have seen uh a few different uh japanese commercials where it had uh hishiro abe who plays as katagiri uh in godzilla 2000 i've seen him in these a uh, few uh, Japanese uh, TV commercials, and to me, when when I see him in those commercials, he seems more like a kind of like an energetic, uh, chilled type of guy. But um, I think I think he's one of those guys that can explore different ranges uh, of different roles. And to me, I think he is one of those guys that are, that are naturally pretty good for these certain roles, especially with the one that he took on. And I think he did a terrific job in those. And then, uh, of course, uh, Miyasaki, the guy, uh, I forget his name, uh, Shiro Sano. Uh, he's, he's been in at least a few other, uh, I think might have been a, another Godzilla film. I can't remember at the moment, but of course he was in some of the other. Sort of, and then uh, one of the other spoof, I think a couple of other spoof kaiju movies. Gahara. <laughs> Gahara, I guess he was in that one. And then wasn't he in the, was it the sequel of the X from Outer Space? I think, I think it's been a long been time one. since I've seen that one. He could have been, but I don't know. We, I don't. I don't remember. It's been. It's 
been at least two years since I've seen that movie. Uh, but um, but as far as Murata, yeah, I for me, in my opinion, I think he would be one of those guys that you probably would have seen a little bit more in Godzilla films. It's a little bit too bad that he hasn't been in the Godzilla films quite as much as he did. Uh, at least he's gotten a couple of good, decent roles, mainly Godzilla 2000 here. But as far as uh, Godzilla vs. Mothra in 92, he had like a minor role. And then, of course, as you mentioned that he was in Godzilla vs. Destroyer, which I sort of forgot that he was in that. And he was just only in there briefly. But I w- would have wished that he would have uh, been in the Godzilla films more often. But uh, nonetheless, as far as Godzilla 2000, for me, all the cast members that have... Uh, been selected for their specific roles in this film. To me, I think it was the best choices that uh, the film crew has made because these cast members, to me, I think they milled with one another naturally to make at least as far as the quality, even though I've mentioned about some of the other qualities, but as far as the quality of the characters and the cast members for this film in particular, I think is probably one of the better. I would probably say one of the top 10 uh, best uh, group of cast members for Godzilla film. Uh, it's hard for me to believe that we've been discussing, you know, this movie for like a little more than an hour and we have yet to discuss the kaiju. Um, I know we're going to get there eventually. Like, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But usually that's like one of the first things you talk about are like, you know, the kaiju and, and all that. We get a new Godzilla design here and we get a brand new monster and Orga and, and all that. Like what what do you make of the new Godzilla design and and heat ray attributes and what do you make of Orga? Like what do you make of the kaiju here? Well, I know at first I think um, I was I think when the movie was announced uh, back in uh, I would say towards uh, the end of 98, possibly in early uh, 99. Um, I was right around uh, 6th or 7th grade at the time. And I remember seeing the the silhouette of the Godzilla, that uh, famous sort of side shot with him in front of this red glow and everything. When I first, my first reaction to that silhouette design of Godzilla. I wasn't, uh, I didn't quite know what to think at first. And to me, it felt like I just need to see uh, the whole Godzilla suit uh, in action uh, whenever it came out at the time. And but also for me, it, it just felt like it didn't quite feel like Godzilla at the time before seeing the movie itself. I was more or less uh, sort of mixed at first when, when I saw the initial uh, reveal of that whole Godzilla silhouette. Uh, um, I think of probably an art rendition of them. It, but um, but then, of course, once the movie came out, I 
uh, I like the design quite a bit. As far as some of the purple uh, sort of tips or outline of the dorsal fins, not really much of a huge fan. I think that they cleaned it up a little bit more uh, further into the Millennium Godzilla, especially through um, uh, Godzilla Tokyo SOS. There, to me, I think the dorsal fins and that were probably one of the better looking designs for Godzilla. But um, yeah, that's probably one of my only nitpicks on the uh, G2K uh, Godzilla suit. As far as Orga, I think I, I really like the design of Orga, to be honest. Um, as far as far as the fan reaction, I think they have they might have a positive reaction towards Orga or it could be mixed. I'm not entirely sure, but for uh, for me, I really dig the design of Orga, especially with it being from outer space and everything. And then also sort of mimicking the design of the Orga uh, Kaiju suit, uh, comparing it to the UFO. It's sort of is, is like a reflection sort of way. I liked how they still kept some of the elements from the UFO and put it onto Orga in a way sort of, you know, kind of give its own uh, sort of familiar uh, look, design, but also it has some of its own unique char- characteristics for that. Uh, but yeah, I do like the design of Orga, and I think it fits along with the film uh, pretty well, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, uh, kind of like you, when I first saw some of the fir- uh, image Im- first images of this new Godzilla suit, I was sort of on the fence about it, but um, I think I was more in the camp because I remember this was really divisive in the fandom at the time. It was more yeah, you either I love think it or I remember you hate that. it. And this was this was more during the pre-production stage before the film was even released in Japan. But I was more on the fence, but a little bit more on the side of of like I kind of like it. But after seeing the movie. Uh, and all that I'm and seeing it even more of course over nearly 20 years uh, I think this new look is fantastic I, I love the more greenish tint of the skin the jaggedness and, and roughness of the skin the crystalline look of his dorsal plates and I really even love the orange heat ray um, one of the oh, nice yeah. touches I love that's, that's uh, one about thing I, this God's that's the one thing I one forgot about I, that's one of the things I forgot about. You uh, asked me about the heat ray. I do like the heat ray uh, iteration. I think uh, it seems a little bit more natural in a way. Yeah. With how it and, looks. Yeah. And um, I, I just I love it. And this is the first film, too, in which as he's powering up and even firing the ray, you kind of get that that heat. 
uh, mm. steam effect coming out too. I really love that touch that they added to this Godzilla and, and his ray. And I love how all the spines just kind of glow like his entire back glows. Whereas in the past, it kind of was either kind of a pulsating glow or just kind of the tips of his plates would glow a, a little bit. Here you have all the plates from the top of the plate down to the base uh, glow. I really love that, and I love the fact that it's orange. I, I just, I just think that's kind of neat. Um, as far as Orga, he's one of my favorite kaiju. I think the design is unique, but is a bit hampered due to the stiffness. But at the same time, I don't think it's as stiff as some would try to make you believe. I, I was very impressed that even though, yes, sadly, like the hands don't really move, I was still very impressed by how mobile it still was for the most part um so i i dig orga I, again i really think this is a kaiju that um do, it doesn't get as much credit as it deserves it's a very unique kaiju its fighting capabilities are great uh, it holds its own against godzilla i mean it's it's a fantastic kaiju and i love the design of it as well yeah what do you think of orga's uh power beam what do you think of that i mean it's it's a beam uh, it has more push power than it does like burn power um most kaiju anymore seem to have some sort of a beam what i like most about the beam is the fact uh, is is of its location it's up on the left shoulder which is a mirror of where it was on the spaceship the spaceship it was sort of in the back on the left side too and you can see like orga in his very first appearance as an alien the head is sort of the same shape as that ship mm -hmm. and then eventually in his final form you still see a little bit of that spaceship yeah sort of the upper half of the body the yeah part. and I love the fact that basically that ship was nothing more than an actual literal like suit for him because his beam shoulder beam on his person is in that exact same location where it was on the ship that it just something like that that little detail that sort of decision to be like we're not going to place it like in his mouth or whatever like we're actually going to kind of place it and design him to look similar to his spacecraft and the fact that they kept it in that same location it just it makes it very unique uh it stay it makes him stand out i love it i i love it an awful lot <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was uh, there was something I was I just had on my mind. I uh, can't remember. <laughs> can't remember it right now. But um, as far as the the initial uh, main thing of the film, the kaiju fights, um, we only just get at least one main battle between the two kaijus when Orga is in his alien form and then of course Godzilla but you mm -hmm. at least uh, get a couple encounters with Godzilla and then Orga when it's in its UFO uh, form but as far as the main battle between the Orga alien form and Godzilla um, 
what are your initial thoughts as far as uh, the quality of the fight, the length of it, um, some of the creativeness uh, for the battle? Uh, I think the final battle itself is very entertaining and provides a nice mixture of UFO versus Godzilla and Godzilla versus Orga. Um, I think the uniqueness of this battle makes it fresh and stand out from previous fights um, because there are just a few beam blasts um, in this final battle and – at the same time, Orga just has some unique capabilities that we've never really seen this in a kaiju movie up to this point. Like, for example, he uses cables to tie up Godzilla and whip him around for a bit. And I think, too, there are some really nice moments of the kaiju really going at it in hand-to-hand combat. Um, that's something that a lot of people complain about with the Heisei era is that they kind of dub the um, – the uh, Heisei era as the beam wars because the kaiju, mm-hmm. like every kaiju has some sort of beam and there's very th- there's not a whole lot of hand-to-hand combat um, in those films and here they correct that and I think they do a very good job of um, choreographing the battle and um, just doing a, a heck of a job. I really think the the battle was great. I love the fact that Orga, the more I watch this movie, the more I f- see how much Orga does a, a tremendous job of holding his own against Godzilla. Like in the UF uh, in the UFO form, uh, like he topples like half of a skyscraper on top of Godzilla and he kind of throws him around with uh, the the beam a couple times as well. Uh, I mean Orga just in the UFO form just doesn't hold back and no, uh, no doubt. I just I, I love it. it. I would even argue that throughout most of this battle at the very least half of the battle Orga seems to be the one that kind of is winning. Um, because he just kind of has his way with Godzilla for a while. And then kind of once he turns into an alien, he loses a little bit of that mobility that he had as a UFO because now he's a hulking mass of a kaiju that can't move around as nimbly, even though he can leap uh, far distances. But he still can do a pretty decent job. Like I still remember this scene where you just see him. He goes down like this, and he just kind of with all of the force of his body like throws up his right hand right into Godzilla's face and just kind of knocks Godzilla back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just I just love the fact that you get a lot of fun, unique, animalistic hand-to-hand combat in here. And I remember when we were watching this in the theaters, and it still kind of happens to me from time to time, even now when I watch this movie. You know, I remember in the theaters getting ready to jump out of my seat because I was so invested in the fight. And uh, I was just kind of like, even, and I got, I spoiled myself. I read early spoilers on the internet before the movie was released here. I knew how this movie was going to end. So, 
you know, but I still was like ready to jump out of my seat. I was just like thinking to myself, you bastard org, a guy that's going to kick your ass and kill him. Like <laughs> thinking to myself, and I was just about ready to jump out of my seat, be like, get him, get him. Like, you're not going to take that shit. You know, like that sort of, <laughs> that sort of thing. Like I was invested in this fight be- and that's a good sign. Like, cause it's like Orga, you know, was dominating decent moments of the battle, but I love this final battle. I think it's very unique. Part of it is just due to the fact that, uh, you have more hand to hand combat now than what had been shown, um, over the, the many previous Heisei films. Uh, also, you have a unique new kaiju villain that has different abilities and powers as well. Um, and the fact, too, it's in the middle of like Tokyo with all these miniatures and stuff. You get a lot of explosions. The fact, too, that Orga regenerates very quickly means that, again, we get the ending that we get where Godzilla destroys him from the inside, which is very unique. It has some sort of... Um, it has some sort of mirroring of Godzilla versus Biolane in a way because of that, but unlike Biolane, like this was the only way that Godzilla could destroy Orga was from the inside. Um, so yeah, I mean, it just I, I love it. I think it's one of the more interesting and emotionally investing final battles. Yeah, as far as the uh, the main battle or the initial battle for this film, I think it was uh, pretty interesting and it had its own unique uh, uh, characteristics or take on a fight between Godzilla and Orga. And for me, uh, just like you, it felt more natural to where that uh, – both the uh, kaiju will at least use their uh, beams uh, when it comes time to necessarily need it, which in this case, they used it uh, quite a bit less, mainly comparing it to the whole Heisei era where a lot of the kaijus uh, in those films use it quite a bit uh, often, but here they more or less relied on their natural abilities as far as uh, punching, uh, kicking, or using their tails, whichever. Um, Yeah, they just... And then, of course, using their uh, mouth when biting uh, uh, one another. It's it's more or less... more, more or less a, a natural hand-to-hand combat uh, sort of approach for uh, Godzilla 2000, which to me, it it felt a, uh, sort of like a breath of fresh air to sort of uh, take mm-hmm. a break from all these uh, beams just going back and forth with all the, like the... Uh, light shows and everything. It's just more or less of a natural battle uh, this time around. Even though you have an alien <laughs> from outer space, but they still managed to make it a natural hand-to-hand combat uh, for uh, for the main uh, ma- uh, major battle for this, but when Orga was in his UFO form, obviously it had to use some of its uh, like uh, gravitational force powers and then its uh, beam from the side 
from the left side cannon uh there uh it it had to uh you know resort to those things when aura was in its uh ufo ufo based uh form but when it came to him becoming like an alien kaiju form then uh, i liked how they converted him to more of a hand-to-hand uh combat kaiju uh, to go up against uh godzilla and then i also agree with you that uh they uh that the crew made orga a uh, formidable uh foe for godzilla and uh, a kaiju that can hold its own ground and doesn't take any shit <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i i mean it's just it's a fantastic um it's a fantastic final battle. It just, and I, and <laughs> yeah, I just, I love it. I absolutely love it. it it's mm. one that I'm always uh, very much invested in every time I watch it. Uh, Takeyuki Hattori's score. Um, again, this is a guy who I think is uh, one of the most um, underappreciated maestros in the entire Godzilla franchise. I'm not too keen uh, on his Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla score. I think it's decent, uh, but I think Hattori gets better starting with this film. I think this is a significant improvement from um, this is a significant improvement from Space Godzilla and anybody who listened to um, previous episodes where we talked about the anime films and then I even reviewed the individual scores themselves um, I had said that um, I thought potentially had or even was better with those uh as well i just think hattori just seems to get better uh, with each new entry uh, in a godzilla franchise i thought the anime stuff was really good my favorite one out of that was city on the edge of battle just because it had more of the rousing marches and themes going on in that film uh and that score whereas uh, the first and the third films in that anime trilogy had more somber uh flowing which it's really good but you know it's more somber going and there aren't as many marches and themes going on those two scores but yeah i think this is sort of where he gets his familiar footing with the whole uh guys all franchise and sort of knows how to go uh on uh, and what to do uh, as far as scoring certain areas of the film. And I think he really got his uh, uh, ground uh, footing onto this uh, whole franchise the second time around, I think. Because, yeah, like as far as far as a score during the during the time when it came out and I remember I think I still have the CD of uh, the film and I remember listening to uh, the Godzilla 2000 soundtrack when I was going to college up here uh, for a few years and I just listened to that soundtrack many many times just sitting in the hallway with the uh, the portable CD player uh, sitting in the hallway and just listening to that 
for God knows how long until the next class uh, began. And uh, it's it's it was one of the CDs during the time that I listened to the most. And I really liked how Hattori scored uh, the film. And I think it really suits the film and as well as the franchise quite a bit. It to me, it has that unique place in the Godzilla franchise history as uh, along with the Fuku Bay tying his scores to the whole uh, mythos of Godzilla. Yeah, and I wrote a, a, a review of this score um, almost seven years ago on our website for this particular score. And I don't know if I have the American edition still of the 2000 score. I'll have to double check. Um, but uh, I do have the Japanese one, of course, because I bought the Toho Godzilla 50th this, anniversary. The whole set, yeah. Set. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious. I kind of want to check now if I have that American one. But um, anyways, like I remember writing in that article um, saying that this is without a doubt uh, – at the time, it was my favorite Hattori score. Now, since then, the anime trilogy has come out. And like I said, City on the Edge of Battle may even be my favorite. Um, it may even uh, potentially be his best. But regardless, I still think the Godzilla 2000 score is really one of his finest and really one of the best scores out of the entire Godzilla franchise. And it's one of my personal favorites. I, I, it's, it's a score that I think has a memorable themes and riffs uh, here and there, some memorable marches as well. Um, I think some of the music played during the final battle helps uh, magnify uh, kind of the stakes at hand and magnify just these two giant kaiju going at it. Um, I think it's a very uh, well done score that, uh, like I said, is one of my favorite. And I really do believe it's one of the best out of the entire franchise it just it's it's such a significant step up i think from space godzilla which was good um but just it's it seemed like it just didn't have some of the oomph that mm -hmm. this one finally had i really believe that hattori did a self-study and took elements because there were times during the score you can even catch it during the movie too if you listen close enough where there are certain um tracks that sound similar to various moments and riffs of the space godzilla score but of course are completely different but there are certain things that sound similar right. but i love this score. i think it's great mm -hmm. all right um I can't think I of got anything. one thing though and oh. I I Go got ahead. one more thing and this was something that I thought of after the movie finished up and I had never thought of it before and I wondered do you potentially think that Orga, especially in UFO form, his ability to hack computers and, and all that, do you think on some level that was brought in as a result of some of the fear that was going on with Y2K? I, I mean, with, with that whole notion of the Y2K um, paranoia that went on at the time, I think it happened maybe like two years before uh, 
a year or two before uh, that whole thing uh, was around, I would initially say, obviously, yes. Because, I mean, just, just, just the whole feeling of it and then also the feeling that I got while watching the film here is that it sort of makes you think about that whole notion of the whole Y2K uh, fear that went on <laughs> in the in the uh, late 90s that led up to uh, the year 2000, the whole new millennium, like the new millennium decade, uh, that, that sort of thing. Because, you know, with I think the whole main notion behind the whole Y2K is that uh, I think it, it I think it mainly dealt with the the whole dating uh, mechanism for computers was that uh, when it uh, hit to 2000, I think they were saying like it could uh, reset everything to zero <laughs> or something of the sort <laughs> or like something was going to happen. I I initially don't know the origin behind the whole Y2K. It's like I know maybe just a little bit of inklings here and there of some of the reasons of the whole Y2K uh, paranoia thing that went on. But yeah, as far as uh, the whole uh, uh, callback or reminiscence to the whole Y2K thing in the film itself, it's obviously there. Yeah, and I can't believe sort of like with the whole David Callett saying that this movie mirrors some moments from the 98 film. I'm just surprised I had never caught or thought of this before because I do, and I can't confirm or deny it. I haven't read anything uh, that said that that was part, that was why this was written into the movie, but I can't help but to think I'm like, okay, well, actually, you know, this was produced and released in 99. And then I remember there being a lot of fears of Y2K. And I just kind of thought, I wonder if this ability with Orga was just kind of stemmed because they, the filmmakers were like, hey, everybody's freaked out about this. Let's actually use it as an ability and sort of exploit people's fears uh, on this with the villain Kaiju. So mm -hmm. I, I think that there is some – some validity to that, but I don't know if it's 100% sure or not. But uh, unless you have something else to discuss, I think we could probably go into final thoughts and a rating. Yeah, I can't think of uh, anything else. I think we've mainly touched upon almost everything uh, in the films. And then plus, I would like to try to get this <laughs> under two hours if we can, but which I think we're making a yeah. good time on it. So, yeah, let's uh, get into the final thoughts on Godzilla 2000 here. Okay, I suppose I'll go first here. Godzilla 2000 is a film that tends to be glossed over by a decent portion of the fan base. It's a shame considering the quality of the movie is so incredibly high. The kaiju suits, miniatures, and many of the digital effects won't look this good for much of the remainder of the Millennium Era films. The cinematography is fantastic and the drama within the final battle always gets to me. Something I really can't say, sadly, about the other Millennium films. 
The introduction of Orga injects something fresh into the franchise, and his design and execution are wonderful. His unique fighting skills and other capabilities help to make this particular battle stand out. Shinoda, Yuki, Io, Katagiri, and Miyasaka are characters with their own unique personalities and help draw you into the story. Speaking of story, this one hardly lets up. There's Godzilla action from the beginning, and the movie doesn't let up much of the rest of the way. Godzilla disappears briefly in the middle of the film, but this section is not only used for the audience to breathe for a moment, but to focus on the UFO and a trait of Godzilla's that was always hinted at, but never explored that much in previous entries. His ability to take incredible punishment and to heal. Regenerator G1 makes its debut here. While some could argue this particular capability may not be the exact trait that makes Godzilla heal quickly and to take punishment in previous movies, or even in succeeding movies, I tend to believe that trait is indeed present and at work. Takeyuki Hattori's score is a significant improvement over Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla, and a score I've always considered to be one of the better ones within the franchise. Godzilla 2000 has always been one of my favorite Godzilla movies, and one I've always believed would be in the running to show someone who is brand new to the franchise. The movie encapsulates much of what has made Godzilla movies entertaining over the years, and even 20 years later is still a great film that encompasses many of the trademarks of the character and his numerous films. Godzilla 2000 has a good story, memorable characters, a fun and unique new kaiju villain, and a lot of heart. While some of the succeeding Millennium films may inject other unique qualities into the franchise and mythos of the Godzilla character, hardly any of them end up with the soul this one has. That's not to say they're bad films. They simply seem to miss what director Taco Akawara and his crew know uh, what makes a Godzilla movie fun and full of heart. The strongest of recommends and a buy. And we forgot to talk about director Akawara. He, this is his fourth and final Godzilla film. He had directed Godzilla vs. Mothra, um, Godzilla vs. Godzilla 2, and Godzilla vs. Destroya. So. Mm-hmm. so for my uh, initial thoughts on uh, Godzilla 2000 is that um, as far as uh, the quality of the film, I really do like – uh how the whole initial story the the world for this particular godzilla was built i do like uh the natural selection of the cast members to take on uh the certain uh roles of characters that they did for this film i think is one of the better uh cast uh lineup for a Godzilla film in the franchise. Um, the story, I think it was, it's, uh, I think it's a great uh, story and plot uh, for the certain film that this presented. Uh, I do like the designs for both Godzilla and Orga, and as well as the, uh, their initial battle uh, for this movie. I liked how everything was presented and how it uh, transpired and in the final outcome of it. I also liked the, the whole uh, hand-to-hand combat. As I mentioned earlier, it was, a, it was a, uh, at least a nice... Uh, 
a good way to at least have a Godzilla fight for once instead relying mainly on uh, beam powers uh, this time around. So at least it, that took a back seat for once. <laughs> but um, as far as uh, the visuals and everything, although I still give praise to this film, the visuals in this film is uh probably one of the only areas where I would give a knock off for this film. Uh, although I'm guessing that this is sort of the whole experiment, experimental phases that uh, Toho went, but then also with Toho being notorious for their strict uh, scheduling uh, regiment uh, during that time. And I'm guessing that uh, recently that they've been more relaxed on it, but then uh, during that time, they've been more notorious for that uh, certain ordeal. Um, the visuals for the film, it definitely shows uh, they've could have had uh, some more improvements on the visuals. And, it, and as far as when you see the, the HD uh, remaster version of the film, and if you've watched it on the 4K t- uh, TV like I have, you can definitely tell uh the instances when they use a green screen, uh, obviously uh, CGI, a lot of the visual effects hasn't really aged well uh, for this film. And when comparing it to, per se, uh, Godzilla versus Biolani, which was a film made exactly 10 years before Godzilla 2000, um, if I compare those two movies, I would still say that uh, Godzilla vs. Biolani is still better as far as the practical uh, like effects. And I would say some of the uh, green screen or blue screen that they might have used uh, for the film. But uh, as far as the visual effects for Godzilla 2000, it's still somewhat of a letdown uh, for me. But uh, give credit where credit is due that they still try to manage uh, what they try to do with the strict uh, scheduling regiment from Toho. So at least they still did a pretty good job for what they did. So I would still at least give credit to the film. Uh, the film crew of uh, Godzilla 2000. But uh, other than that, I would say uh, fantastic uh, storyline, great characters, uh, great cast. Uh, love the uh, suit designs for both monsters. Also really loved the uh, score by Hattori. It's uh, overall Godzilla 2000 is still a great movie uh, despite uh, some of the downfalls of the uh, the visual effects in the uh, in the film. I would still recommend it and also would still say Godzilla 2000 is a buy as well. All right. 
And with that, I know we had uh, I had said at the top of the show, um, stick around because Jason and I, we, we would catch Jason and I figure out what to do for our next podcast. I think we'll do that actually now uh, off off there camera. So, <laughs> But uh, before we uh, move on to that, uh, I would like to say um, uh, if you like what we're doing uh, on YouTube or some of the other uh, streaming <laughs> uh platforms as well uh you can uh hit the uh subscribe button down below or you can visit us on some of these other uh streaming platforms or uh podcast platforms as well as you can see on uh the screen here as far as podcast uh, networks you can find us over at uh, apple podcast google play iHeartRadio. Spotify and tune in. And as far as the live streaming networks, you can find us on uh, YouTube, Twitch, D Live, and Periscope. And like I also mentioned, you can uh, hit that uh, like uh, button down below, or you can uh, as well as subscribe to us. And you can follow us uh, everywhere on these uh, social media platforms just by searching for the name of uh, Daikaiju Network, and uh, we should be uh, coming up in your search when you do that and you can also find us on our website over at daikaijunetwork.com awesome and with that we thank you so much for listening and or watching our podcast uh we will figure out dates uh for february and uh episodes so just kind of keep an ear towards social media and uh, that's kind of where we will announce everything we'll try to be better um as far as trying to announce things uh earlier um i didn't yep. realize till earlier in the week i'm like oh crap we haven't actually like said anything i kind of forgot we had a podcast <laughs> i was i was gonna so do we got, i was gonna at least try to schedule it a week up uh, a week before, but, uh, some, some other things came up and then plus two, I mentioned to you that I temporarily suspended my Adobe account because I didn't want to keep paying initially 56 bucks a month on this subscription to Adobe's a month. So I want to try to wait till next month and then just pay it once a year and at least save maybe about uh, two months worth of uh, monthly payments. So I at least save money on that front. So I didn't really have a whole lot to uh, try to come up with certain graphics or anything. And I just also noticed earlier on the episode, I still have some graphics in, in the background, as you can see, is some Christmas lights and yeah. uh, Christmas related stuff. I just realized stuff. that. I'm like, it's Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I just realized that. But anyway. I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> But yes, go ahead. Yeah, we we need to we need to at least be better about trying to get something you know uh, mentioned and then set up at least a week beforehand. So like, was it today the eighteenth? We should have had something up by like the eleventh, so that way we could give more people notice and and all that. So we should try to be better about that in the future. But anyways. Uh, we're going to get off here. Thank you so much for listening and watching to us. And again, we'll keep you posted via social media as far as uh, when to expect our next podcast and kind of um, what we're going to do or discuss. So thank you so much for listening. All right. Uh, take it easy, guys. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we will catch you guys next time. Take it. Take care. <laughs>